No my hockey, my two season two of the Hapu Club podcast. This season, we're bringing you interviews with well-known Kiwis who've all had very different journeys to parenthood. People like Tony Street, Ngahuia Piripi, Carolyn Taylor, and Richie Mwonga. But right now, to kick things off, I am delighted to bring you one of the most loved women in New Zealand. Oh, Hilary Barry, mother of the nation. Actually, I want to call you the MILF of the nation because <laughs> mother of the nation feels quite conservative and I think all those off-the-shoulder tops have earned you MILF of the nation. <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind. I think that's kind. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I certainly don't feel like a, a, a motherly type of the nation, but maybe naughty auntie or something like that. Yes, naughty. I love that. How old are your boys, <laughs> Finn and Ned? They are 21 and 19. Oh, that's fun. It is fun. And they they this is the first year that they have both been away from home. So we had our eldest son left three years ago to go to university and our youngest just left this year. So we're having quite a different experience uh, than you, um, <laughs> starting your journey in parenthood. So we're, we're at the other end of it. What's it like being an empty nester? Do you like it? Well, there are moments where you are really fearful of it happening leading up to it. And the first few weeks, I felt quite sad. And then I felt great. And (laughs) the, the thing is, too, you feel like you oughtn't say that. Do you know what I mean? And and when you have babies and toddlers and you're nurturing them and you're there with them you know all the time you just cannot imagine in your heart a time when you will ever be happy for them to go and yet nature uh, and teenagehood certainly trains you (laughs) for the ability to let go and it's funny how you you do get to the point where you're happy to see them go as much for their own um, development uh, as well as having your own space again. And so there's something joyful about seeing them walk out the door and confidence in themselves and, you know, off off to conquer the world. Uh, but also, I won't lie, there is something fabulous about having the house to yourself and food in the fridge when you want it <laughs> and no wet towels on the floor and just, you know, boy smell. <laughs> yeah, see, that all sounds great. I think I'd have to kick my husband out if I wanted to ever get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary, it feels yes, like that's a complication. Yeah, it feels like you've always been on our screens. Did you actually take time off to do the stay-at-home mum thing, or have you always been a working mum? I have always been someone who um, worked and had children. Um, see, the funny thing is, I'm not even a fan of that term, working mum, because we are mums and dads, and. We, you know, we all work, whether it's paid or unpaid. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I am someone who has worked and had a family. And, you know, we, like everybody else, you find a, a kind of rhythm that works for you. So my husband is a teacher and that has always lent itself really well to um, having a family because, of course, he gets all the school holidays off and his hours um, fit in really well with um you know, children at school and things like that. So that that kind of worked for us. Um, I didn't kind of start, um, you know, when I became a mum, I wasn't sure what would happen in terms of 
you know, my job and working. And I kind of went with the flow. And then um, for various reasons, um, it just seemed like a good fit. So um, when our first one was, I don't know, four months old, I went back to doing some work. And then, you know, it just it was something that worked for us as a family that I I had more regular hours and my husband um, spent more time with the children when they were growing up and um, yeah that's just sort of you know something that we've done and everybody's got a different way of approaching it Um, and you've just I guess I think you've got to find something that works for you yeah if you could do it all again would would you do it differently if you could do it all again, or you? Oh, absolutely not. No, right. I, I am never a person. No, it doesn't matter whether it's what it is in my life. I never ever look back, and even allow the thought that I would change things. Because what, what are you, what are you saying to yourself? I guess if you think you're going, oh, well, I'm a failure. I'm a, you know, it, you, I think you've got to just choose your path, <laughs> do it, go for it, do your best, and have no regrets. I just, I'm, I'm a regret-free person. Oh, that's one of the things people love about you, though. That's fantastic. <laughs> we should all, you know, hope to get to that place. What has been your favourite age so far, now that you've got a 19 and a 21-year-old? Um, I think there's a lot of people freak out about teenagers. Yes, but <laughs> especially I boys. Really loved, yeah, but I really love having teenage boys. I think you get to a, a stage where they get old enough to have a sense of humour about things and be able to take the mick where it's appropriate out of their parents and you can have some wonderful times. And also, you know, when they get to teenagehood, you can go and do physical things with them. Like um, some of my favourite things looking back on the past um, have been, you know, doing the root burn track together and travelling together oh, cool. and those sorts of things and just having really great um, social times with them. Yeah, and respecting them kind of as, you know, people who maybe have this independence and can choose what they want to do and express themselves. I guess for some people yeah. that's a bit scary that they maybe don't want to hang yeah. out with you so much anymore. And, and look, it can be scary because they're big and they take up a lot of room and they're loud and yeah. they're <laughs> all, of the thing, all of the things that we worry about are, are absolutely there. Um, but also they um, are developing these marvellous personalities and opinions and um, yeah, fascinating thought processes. And they can, you come to realise that they can teach you a lot too. What is the trait that you most want to see in your kids? I really, funny, isn't it? When, when you have little ones, you... I think when they were little, you sort of think all these things, and oh, what will they be? Yeah. And, you know, what sort of person will they turn into? And this and that. And, and then you get them through teenagehood and into adulthood, and you go, I want them to be happy. I, that's all I want, you know? And, and you sort of go through these phases with them where you go, man, life is tough being a kid. There's, you know, there's, just, there's a lot. There's a lot for them to deal with. And you sort of get them into adulthood and you go, oh, if, as long as they're happy, that would make me happy. And plus, 
and it, given that, as long as they're happy, I love the thought too that they can have a laugh at themselves and at other things too. Yeah, so a sense of humour is really important to you. Really, yeah. Yeah, and it's a good way to deal with the tough stuff in life, isn't it? That, you know, the old adage of if, if you, you know, don't laugh, you, you'll cry. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, you can't laugh at everything, let's face it. Yeah. But if you can laugh a lot of it, and also that ability to laugh at yourself, I think is really important too. Not take yourself too seriously. Yeah, cool. I love that. I think, yeah, that's a really, that's a good little pearl of wisdom. I like that. What has been your proudest mum moment so far? Oh, oh my gosh. Good question. What is my proudest mum moment? Um, well, you, I mean, you get, when they pass exams at university, you get really <laughs> proud because you kind of go, yay, go you. And then, you know, if they have a good performance on the sporting field, you go, yay. But actually, it's probably the little things, like when you see them being really lovely to, I don't know, some kid in the street who's lost a ball. or You know, it's, it's those little moments where they show their humanity and their mm-hmm. kindness. Um, those would be the proudest moments, I would say. But I do like the other stuff, like when they pass exams and they play sport well and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And do you brag about your kids? No. You don't? Absolutely not. See, I'm finding no. it really hard because I said I used to laugh at other people bragging about their kids. And then my daughter's like three months old and she'll do things. And I'm like, oh, she's very advanced, isn't she? She's Look, she's holding her head up all by herself. I think she might be a future Olympian. She's pretty switched on, this kid. Like, I can't help it. So you don't brag about your kids at all. Is that something you've consciously done? Yes, it is. And I suppose it's just because you see on social media just so many people putting photos of their kids getting certificates. And it just, I just die inside. I'm sorry. And some of those people will be listening to this podcast and going, oh, I'm one of those people, but just stop it. So I, I, I love you dearly, and it's a really nice photo of your kid, but I don't care that they got a, you know, a reading prize at school when they're eight years old. Stop it. I think you're speaking on behalf of a lot of us, so thank you for that PSA. <laughs> um, one of the things I find pretty incredible about you is that you've been married for over 20 years. That's, I mean, in this day and age, that's quite an achievement. I mean... The longevity is one thing. You oh, hope it's happy as well. Thank you. I'll take that. Um, In fact, I'm trying to think, how many years have we been married? 23 years. 23 yeah. years. That's awesome. So yeah. how did you kind of navigate it through through all the, the tough stuff? Because in the early days of, of having kids, you don't get a lot of time for your partner, do you? No. And um, I remember, you know, Talking to, seeking people's advice on, you know, how you try and save that time for yourself. Um, because it is, you're lacking in sleep, and particularly when children are really little, they're so demanding on your time and um, your energy and your emotions that you have very little left over. Um, and I remember um, a colleague of mine who had already had kids, he said, you know, you should, once a week you should go out for date night. And so we tried that when they were really little. And we were just so exhausted that it became a bit of a chore going out for date night. So we, <laughs> yeah. we stopped aiming for once a week and we certainly tried to go out for regular dates. 
And then we tried this thing where we'd go out and we'd say, okay, we're not going to talk about the kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we'd last like five minutes and then we'd start talking about the kids. And we'd go, oh, we, we promised we were going to do this. Um, Despite the lack of sleep and, you know, that that sort of, that is tough, um, I found that having kids was something that brought us even closer together um, because you have, I think those times in a relationship where you have that kind of shared stress, it's not a stress at one another, it's a it's an outside stress that you're sharing, um, can can sort of um, bring you closer together, and it certainly did us because I guess it's that it's that shared experience of um, you know something that is really really tough that takes you to a different place in your relationship. I guess. Yeah, totally. So have I, am I explaining this? Yeah, totally. Well, it's, but it's not just parenting. Like I, I, I you know, some t- other tough times in your life. Say when you know someone close to you. Um, dies or da la la. Those are also other times where, in a relationship, you can end up, you, you know, that that bond that you have with one another going through that really tough time um, makes you even stronger. And I've always found that. Well, I think what you're describing is less of a gimmick of like a date night, you know, like a a, a trick or a tip, and more of an attitude of seeing this person as your partner through all the tough things and not as your adversary because I think it's easy sometimes to see that person as like, oh, you know, screw you, <laughs> you're sleeping, I'm breastfeeding, whatever it is. But yeah. if you see that person as on your team, that's that's yeah. um, halfway there, aren't you? Um, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's never a shared, a, a 50-50 shared kind of thing. There are times yeah. in any relationship where, you're carrying 80% of the burden and your partner's carrying 20%. Mm. But you've always got to know that there'll be another time uh, ahead of you where they will be carrying 80% of, of, of the stress and the load and you'll be carrying 20%. And it's just knowing that you're married or you're with someone who is that person, who will carry the load when they need to carry the load and, um, you know, who will be there in a support role when you're carrying most of the load. Yeah, that's a really good reminder. Um, What is in your parenting survival kit, tangible or intangible? For example, wet wipes um, (laughs) or support, a support network? Uh, So I would say, you know, on a basic level, um, if it's not bleeding, you don't get the plaster on it. (laughs) Um, So... You know, for those who have very young children, and every time you know there's a the little scratch, you're putting a plaster on it. Stop it, because you need to save the planet by using less plastic. And also, you know, kids need to toughen up a little bit. So you only get it. You only get you only get a bandage if it's bleeding in my book. Um, and then in terms of support network, um, I have always been very lucky to have my mum live just around the corner. Oh, cool. And um, oh, I'm, I'm, I know that I'm so, so lucky because, um, you know, she she has two grandchildren just around the corner and they're the only grandchildren. And so I, she is just amazing. And, and, and I know that if I'm in a crisis and something's up with the kids and I need a hand, she'll drop everything to help. So that's, that's always been just so amazing. So... You know, if there's that person in your life, um, celebrate them and, um, yeah, 
if you don't have that person in your life, maybe you could get to know a lovely neighbor who would love yeah. to help you or something like that. Yeah, priceless, isn't it? Just having that person you can call when you're in a pickle. Oh, yeah. If you could go back to when you were pregnant with your first, what would you tell yourself? Oh, what would I tell myself? Um, I'd say stop rubbing that oil on your stomach because you will get stretch marks. <laughs> um, I would say that weight won't just fall off uh, when you start breastfeeding. So put down that cream donut. Um, because I put on, so just to make everybody feel good, uh, it was a Barry family record. I put on 28 kilos <gasps> with baby number one. Me too. I... Me too, Hillary. Hey! Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I put was, on. I was a different person. To be fair, I could have put on more. I stopped weighing at 28. Yeah. Well, that, congratulations. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I love that. I've never you heard too. of anyone during that. Yeah, Barry family record. I hope that you got some kind of medal or at least a certificate. <laughs> Did your mum post a no, photo of a, you holding your certificate? Twenty eight kilos. I got a subscription to Weight Watchers instead. Oh. <laughs> um, and when baby number two came around, I was very careful with what I ate during pregnancy um, because I just decided that I could eat for two and that it really would fall off the minute yeah. I started breastfeeding. But that was not the case. And you anyway, get so hungry, no, don't you? So hungry. So yeah. And there's nothing else to do. It's not like you can, you know, drink and go out on the town. No. You might as well eat. <laughs> um, so what, what would I say to, to myself? I would I would just say, despite the fact, particularly in, in the latter stages of pregnancy, when you're just going, hurry up, hurry up, just, I'd, I'd tell myself to chill a little bit probably. Yeah. And I was it, I was not particularly comfortable as a pregnant person. I was I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I would I would probably find more ways of just just finding some chill and calm in the process. Yeah. And storing up on sleep, people say to do that, but it doesn't really work, does it? Oh, you can't. You can't. I, mean, I don't know who's dishing out that advice. Honestly, you're so uncomfortable. Sleep is the last thing you're able to get. Speaking of advice and people dishing it out, is there any <laughs> advice that you would be happy to dish out that you think would actually be helpful for new parents? I would say do it your way and don't worry about what other people say because I think it's one area of life where people just dish out far too much advice, mm. um, particularly to new parents. Just stop it. You do, you do it your way and you know, that is absolutely hands down the right thing to do. Fantastic. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that and I, I hope you're <laughs> listening right now. Yeah, I love it. That's the kind of thing you could just write on your fridge, couldn't you? Hillary Barry says do it my way. Well, Damn but it. The thing is too, I think because we're hormonal, mm. we just had a baby, we want to be the very best that we can do, we ask too many people. It's it's almost like we feel we ought to be asking everybody. And, and if you want words of comfort, by all means, seek that advice. But the thing is, you know, we got this. I think we doubt ourselves, you know. But but I think we we know what's right for our baby. We know what feels right for us. So just follow those instincts. Have you always been this confident and awesome? <laughs> no. <laughs> so when did you find that? <laughs> oh, look, I think that we through different stages of your life, you always have those 
feelings of, oh, I don't know, inadequacy and mm. lacking in confidence. I think at my heart, I've always been a pretty confident person, but, you know, in terms of being a mum in the early stages, I don't think I was confident about being a parent, a new parent. Um, I think the same was true, you know, starting out in my career. I certainly wasn't confident about um, being on television in front of a camera and things like that. But you just kind of take baby steps and with experience comes a bit more confidence. And I think if, if, you, if you're naturally wired to, and you have that sort of, as I always have, you know, sort of positive point of view and, um, you know, I'm a bit of a get up and go kind of person, then that kind of helps too. And over time, you just get to an aging stage like I am where you just go, oh, well, honestly, what life's too short. I've, I'm here now, I'm going to enjoy it, and this is who I am. So take it or leave it. Well, we will take it. Uh, We will take (laughs) as much Hilary Berry as we can get. Thank you so much for your time, for your advice, and for your story. That was so cool to hear. Oh, it's my pleasure, and it's so lovely to talk to you, and all the best to you too. Thank I'm you. so excited for you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm raising a sassy little girl, so hopefully one day she'll be on the tally wearing off the shoulder tops as well. But you paved the way. <laughs> Yay! I can't wait. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Hapu Club. If you've got any suggestions for people you'd like me to interview, please do get in touch. And next week we're going to be back with our very first dad on the podcast, All Black, Richie Mawonga.